Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, so I see the uh, Kinder Morgan situation has not been resolved while I've been away. Uh, I guess we've got now, what, a week and a day? What is today? Wednesday, May 23rd. May 31st is the deadline set by the company to get some kind of clarity around the Trans Mountain Pipeline project. Now, the prime minister today was asked about where things stand and this idea then of maybe are there other companies, other suitors out there who might step in and take over this project if Kinder Morgan decides to walk away from it? Here's what the prime minister said. Kinder Morgan uh, bails is only a week left. Are there actually other companies that are interested? We are uh, continuing to engage uh, in financial discussions with the company, uh, with uh, uh, various, uh, you know, various uh, different stakeholders from different orders of government to uh, uh, potential, uh, potentially interested partners. Uh, we continue to insist that this project is in the national interest and will get built, and that's what we're focused on. It's the prime minister not really saying anything, but he's the prime minister. And I guess it's newsworthy when he comments at all. But that doesn't really give us any indication of where we're at. Obviously, the ideal situation here is for Kinder Morgan to remain committed to the project it proposed to build in the first place and that that project get complete. Understandably, the company is nervous going forward with all the uncertainty around the project. So are we going to be able to convince them by next week that they should stick with it? And if they walk away, what options do we have? Well, joining us for some thoughts on uh, where we're at, very pleased to welcome back to the program Dennis McConaughey, uh, former executive with Trans Canada Corporation, uh, also author of the book Dysfunction, Canada After Keystone XL. Dennis, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the pro- uh, program. Thank you very much. So wh- what's your sense of where we're at now, a week from this deadline? Well, I think uh, the federal government, through the Department of Finance and the Kinder Morgan Organization, are in some very uh, intense and difficult negotiations around uh, whether or not they can get to a deal in the context of the federal government providing an indemnity uh, for certain risks that uh, affect the completion of this project. And I believe that that's still the most plausible scenario of what gets done in the next seven or eight days. And uh, it would be my expectation that um, those negotiations are uh, incomplete, but still uh, the details of how they're going to get this indemnity done um, are still being, um, as I said before, intensely negotiated. Right. Now, this... We shouldn't be surprised that these negotiations aren't, aren't happening in public, and it probably wouldn't be appropriate for that to be happening in public, would it? Well, of course not. And, and, but I think last week, Minister Morneau's press conference gave us an insight into what, what's really being negotiated. It, what's on the table are certain risks 
that Kinder Morgan has identified that they don't think they can accept any longer that go to the completion of the project, and they've really put the challenge to the Canadian government, deal with those risks. And at this late juncture, the only way they can really deal with those risks is financially through the provision of an indemnity. So let's be specific. What we're really talking about is some perverse, uh, I call it perverse, uh, judicial ruling that would cause the project to have to reset and not get onto construction later this year, but potentially have to go back and redo parts of the regulatory approval, part of the consultation process, or worst case, a couple of years from now, the BC claims around jurisdiction might be upheld. If that were to be the case, all the incremental spending that would have to be done would this be out in abeyance while the whole process was redone under provincial jurisdiction. So my expectation is they're discussing the quantum of this indemnity, the specific events that give Kinder access to it, and how long it will last. Well, and, and that's that seems as though, I mean, if that's where we're at, that the two sides maybe aren't that far apart. So do you remain optimistic that, that we can get to some kind of agreement along those lines? I have always believed an agreement should be possible. I should, I, and, but let me just acknowledge we can't, nobody has any insight into whether or not the Kinder organization is overreaching here. Uh, we don't know if the federal government finds um, some aspect of what I just spoke about more than they want to accept. For instance, if the absolute quantum of the indemnity. And remember, the indemnity only comes to pass if one of these events, a perverse judicial decision, for instance, actually comes to pass. So, It's very much in the context of risk abatement. But uh, I could still see that getting to closure on this could still be very difficult. Um, But they have about a week to do it. And, you know, if it really does come down that the highest reaches of both organizations, uh, you know, are going to have to make some very difficult decisions uh, or else this project is is not going to get in service by 2020. Right. I mean, even if we can get past the deadline next week, King Kinder Morgan decides and they're not going to walk away from this project for now, that's obviously still a far cry from actually getting shovels in the ground and getting this completed. Well, I think this, uh, Robin, I think this is something to be optimistic about. If they can get to an agreement, even in principle, on this indemnity uh, by this deadline, uh, and Kinder Morgan resumes execution of the project uh, that they suspended about two months ago, uh, then we can still anticipate that this project gets back on schedule and there's some actual uh, construction with respect to it that gets uh, done before this year is out and that the objective would still be to get it in service before the end of 2020. So, I mean, the next, literally the next eight days is critical to this. Yeah, that really is. Now, what about this talk about potential third-party involvement here? What, what are we to make of that? Well, I have always taken the view that the most constructive things, the most constructive thing the federal government can do is to try to get to a deal with Kinder. To bring in any third party, and the third party has to be a pipeline company who's got the competence to actually execute a project like this. Very few of those exist. Um, or a company or an investor who wants to buy the entire Trans Mountain asset from the Kinder organization. Because remember, this project is a de-bottlenecking of an existing pipeline with other elements of expand, expansion of certain sections of pipe. So 
you have to actually buy the existing Trans Mountain system in order to do their project. That is not a deal that is going to get done quickly. To, to expect that new investors are going to come in and buy the uh, Trans Mountain assets, including the permits related to this project, uh, and think that you can get that done quickly, and even if you get that done, that all of the implacable opponents of hydrocarbon and oil sands development in this country will not insist on an entire reset of the entire regulatory process. I mean, you're not really getting very far ahead here. So again, I've tried to emphasize publicly that the most constructive thing the governments can do, essentially Alberta and the federal government, and especially the federal government, is focus on getting to a conscionable deal with Kinder and not get diverted into other investors at this juncture. Well, right. And yeah, I, I, you make an important point because I don't think there's any way to disentangle these these two projects. How, that well, you could, can't disentangle right? the existing pipe from the expansion project because TMX right. is not like a new system. It is intimately, and you know, we use these terms in the pipeline industry, like this is de-bottlenecking existing piping, existing pumping stations, and adding some loops, which are like pipes that run parallel to existing pipes, all to give this 800,000 barrels a day of incremental capacity. If you want to do this project, you have to own the basic pipeline system that is Trans Mountain that has existed since the early 50s. But if Kinder Morgan decided that they were going to walk away from this new project, from the expansion of, of Trans Mountain, would they also look to rid themselves of the existing line? Would they be well, the they ones might. looking for a, a buyer? They might. They might. They might say, I'm done with this. And my only point would be if they do want to sell it to somebody, uh, that is a sale process that will take time to execute. And the new buyer will have to have their own view of undertaking this, this, this expansion project. All I know is that all of that will take us way past 2020, which is not in the country's interest and certainly not in Alberta's interest, because that will actually be uh, failure. And, and one other point, Rob, that I think is really important to appreciate. The reason we're in this mess is because we have a country in which an approval isn't an approval, that we are beset by interest groups who will always challenge the legality of any approval, whether it's on the basis of inadequate consultation, jurisdiction, or just plain uh, a belief that I didn't want to accept the decision of a competent and honest national regulator. So, you know... The government of Canada right now doesn't have enough time to fix those problems fundamentally by clarifying legislation. So either they get this indemnity done or we're going to lose another pipeline that is so vital to growing Alberta's oil sands industry, which is actually so vital to sustaining the fiscal integrity of the province and all the other contributions Canada makes federally. But is, I mean, is this all about the B.C. court challenge? If that challenge is unsuccessful, if, if it's rejected by the courts and yeah. the Supreme Court, I mean, does, is that it? Or, I mean, are there other potential well, right now, roadblocks? Right now, Rob, there are two major claims. One is a claim in front of the federal court of appeal related to inadequate consultation by the federal government uh, on the period of time between the NEB recommendation and their approval. So that's playing out right now in front of the Federal Court of Appeal. The second one is John Horgan's initiated reference case around jurisdiction, which is that the province of B.C., not the federal government, had jurisdiction related to the marine elements of this project. And so that hangs out there as a potential risk that if 
Kinder Morgan starts spending money, and they have about another five to six billion left to spend, uh, that if that, uh, if they actually are successful, and no one expects them to be, them to be successful, but nonetheless, they're going to press on with a claim that we had the jurisdiction, therefore all the existing approvals need to be redone in front of a BC regulator appointed by the NDP Green government. <laughs> so you know how that's going to turn out. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Well, and we'll see where things go over the next week or so. Dennis, appreciate the insight as always. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, Dennis McConaughey, former executive with TransCanada Corporation, uh, an uh, industry analyst, also author of the book uh, Dysfunction Canada After Keystone XL. 403-974-8255 is a number here today, 974-TALK. Now, of course, you've got the, premiers, uh, the Western Premiers Conference happening, minus Rachel Notley who sent Deputy Premier uh, Sarah Hoffman in her place. And Alberta's drawing a bit of a, a diplomatic line in the sand, if you will, at this conference over the pipeline project. We'll get to some of that in a few minutes here. More time for your calls, your texts as well. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.